Today I will be reading 1 Timothy 2, verse 11 to 15. A woman should learn in quietness and full submission. I do not permit a woman to teach or to assume authority over a man. She must be quiet. For Adam was formed first, then Eve. And Adam was not the one deceived. It was the woman who was deceived and became a sinner. But women will be saved through childbearing if they continue in faith, love and holiness with propriety. Isn't this one of those days where you wish that was the wrong Bible reading? (laughs) (laughs) But it's not. (laughs) Thank you, Anika, you did really well. And uh, I forgot to text you the Bible reading this week, so let me apologise for that as well. Um, Yeah. Here are some questions. Why is Ed wearing a purple shirt the closest thing that we have in this church to a woman preaching to us, right? Don't know if you've ever noticed that. If you're new here or if you've been coming here for a very long time, um, you would have noticed that. I've been asked by my daughter the other day, and I know other parents have too, Dad, when I grow up, Can I preach like you? What do I answer her? Right? That's 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 what a question. There are at the moment about five, a team of five people who take responsibility, ultimate responsibility for what goes on here as a church. They're five blokes. Um, There's another team that we've started a while ago that We've given increasingly uh, a fair dose of authority to help lead and shepherd our church, but we still kept our team of male elders. Why? Why are they all blokes? Now, those are the questions, church, that I'm going to seek to answer with Jess's help this week and next week. And before I launch into... The words that Anika read to us this morning, I just want to say something about why are we doing this? I mean, if you're a visitor here with us this morning, um, sorry. (laughs) Susan, that's like going on the first date and you sort of, I don't normally do this. Uh, We don't normally do this. Not that there's something strange or wrong about what we're doing, but you know what? This is a controversial topic. Um, Why are we doing this? We were challenged at a conference a while ago, Jess and Mark and I actually, about over a year ago, where this topic was raised. And, and, and the conference leader said, you are not doing your church any favours if you're a church like ours, who, who believe that uh, preaching and eldership are only for males. You're doing your church no favours by never speaking about it. You're particularly not helping the women folk among your people. So I have one word, one reason why we really want to do this over the next week, and that is empower. (laughs) We want to empower, particularly in this 
two weeks with what we're going to deal with, our women. This is not about some doctrinal, defensive protectionism to say, well, it's awkward and we're a bit embarrassed about it, but we stick to it and here's why. No, that is not a good enough reason. I want to dig into the next two weeks. What does it mean in God's eyes to be a woman? What does it mean in God's eyes to be a man? We're touching on these very weighty issues. Biblical womanhood, biblical manhood. They're not the same. If they were to be the same, God would have created them the same. He created them differently. Differently. It's a key word. Today and next Sunday, we're going to look at what does it mean to be a woman as part of the church. Next week, we'll look same deal. What does it look like to be a woman as part of the church? There's lots more to be said about in life, in marriage, in the family. These are huge topics. We're just going to narrow our focus today, next week. What does it mean to be a woman in the church? What did God have in mind? What was his glorious, powerful, unique purpose for women in his church? That's what we'll do. And to do it, we're going to look at the verses that Anika read to us this morning. We don't shape the life of our church based on what we think is a good idea. We shape it based on what God has said is a good idea. And there's no place clearer in the Bible than the verses that Anika read to us. Highly controversial in today's culture for obvious reasons, and yet it's there. And yet it's in the Bible. And yet it's part of God's word to us. So we're going to unpack that. Today I'm going to just look at the first two verses, verse 11 and 12. Next week I'll look at uh, verses 13, 14, and I think it goes up to 15. Today I'm going to tell you what are the things that these verses are actually saying to us and what is it not saying to us. It's a little bit of head work today, okay? Forgive me if it gets boring. I'll do my best. Next week, I'm going to tell you why does God say this? And why should we all go, this is a good thing. We should be glad about it. We think it's a great thing. We're in. We want it. Today, what is it saying? Next week, why did God say it? Why is it a good thing? Why should we be keen on this? Okay? Right. Here we go. We've read the verses. Thank you, Anika. You did a great job. I'll say it again. And now let's launch in. All right, verse 11, here we go. Read it again, just to make sure you got it. Women should learn in quietness and full submission. I do not permit a woman to teach or to assume authority over a man. She must be quiet. There are four words in that verse that you need to wrap your head around. I'll take them one by one. Here's the first word. Quietness. Some Bible translation says, a woman should be silent. Here's what you think, straight up, right? Here's what critics of Christianity think straight up. Women have no voice in the church. Women should not speak. Women are not allowed to raise opinions. Women are not allowed to exercise leadership. Women should, in all things at all time, remain silent 
in the church. Not what God is saying. Not true. Right? Here's why not. The better translation is, in fact, a woman should learn in quietness. Let's talk about the word quietness. What does it mean? What did the guy who wrote this intended to mean for a woman to learn in quietness? The best thing to do is to go and look at another part of Timothy to get its meaning. I'll read this verse to you from early on in Timothy. He writes to the whole church. He said, I, he said, I urge that petition, prayers, intercession and thanksgiving be made for all people, for kings and all those in authority, that we may live peaceful and quiet lives in all godliness and holiness. You know what he's saying? He's saying we should live as a church in such a way that we are okay with who God has made us to be and the purposes that God has in mind for us. Be quiet. Be at rest. Be at peace. Be content. I don't even say be grateful for who God has made you to be as a Christian and the purpose that he has in mind for your life as a Christian in all holiness, in all godliness. Live quiet, content, Lives in the purposes and the plans that God have for you. Forward that to the issue of women in 1 Timothy 11. Women. Be quiet, content, okay, at peace with who God has made you to be. Once you know the purposes for which he has called you, powerful, glorious, life-giving, incredible purposes in his kingdom and in his creation when he made you different from men, be okay with that. Love that. <laughs> Rejoice in it. It's good. It's great. It's glorious. And I need to emphasize that, that God has that. And when, when his word says, be quiet, he by no means says, have no voice, you have no place, you have no purpose. No, it's not a mouth thing, this is a heart thing, quietness. I'm quiet about who God has made me to be and what he's called me to do. As a Christian, as a woman, and as a male. All right, that's the first thing, quietness. I've told you something about what it's not, I've told you something about what it is. Let's look at number two. Teaching, he says, I don't permit women to teach. Okay? Again, this is a bit of head work. What is he talking about? Is he talking about all forms of teaching? Any way, any place, any means in which any woman would take the Bible or will just talk about Jesus to any other person and explain whether it's you to a friend at school if you're a young person, whether it's some of our teachers right now in the back of this building, I think almost all of them are females, our Pathway Kids teachers, uh, 
doesn't matter who it is. Any woman doing any kind of teaching to any kind of person, is that what's being forbidden here or, or prohibited? Is God saying that no woman should teach nowhere ever? No, absolutely not. I can say that not because I just want to say that. I can say that because in the Bible, multiple examples of women teaching in such powerful ways. Titus 2 verse 3, I'll take you through a few. Uh, women are encouraged, especially um, wiser women and, and more mature women. They are to teach what is good. Women, teach what is good and train the younger women among you. 2 Timothy 3, verse 14. Paul tells Timothy, who is a young pastor of a, 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 a church in a place called Ephesus, and Timothy is young, he's inexperienced, he's making perhaps unwise decisions, we don't know, he's a young bloke, he's, he's coming up to the ranks, and as part of the mentorship that the older leader, Paul, gives to the younger leader, Timothy, here's what he says to him, listen to this very carefully, he says, Remember the people from whom you have learned the scriptures. You know who they were? Their names were Lois and Eunice, or Eunice. It was his mother. In fact, to the best of our knowledge, we know that Timothy's dad wasn't even a Christian. And here's this young person becoming a pastor of one of the most, um, I don't know, most important, most, most effective, most fruitful churches in the New Testament. Remember those who taught you. Eunice. Lois. There's another place in the New Testament where there's a young, another young preacher. His name is Apollos. He's doing some preaching and some of the people listening to him go, yeah, it's kind of cool, but he's got a few things wrong. <laughs> there's a lot about what he's teaching that's just not quite right. There's a couple in the church that he's lead among the people who, to whom he preaches. Uh, their names are Priscilla and Aquila. And they, they drag him to the side afterwards and they say, look, mate, how about we meet with you sometimes? And just, we just want to give you a bit of a better idea of what you should believe and what, what really is the truth. And the most prominent of those two people are Priscilla. He's always mentioned first in the Bible. And people who are mentioned first usually are more important in the Bible's terms, right? So there you have it. Uh, Eunice, Lois, Priscilla, all women encourage other women. Clearly, clearly, when God's word is saying, I do not permit a woman to teach, it's not talking about all teaching. It's just not. What is it talking about then? What is the kind of teaching that women should not do? Because it's there, I don't permit a woman to teach, right? Here's what it is. We get it from the next verse. We can only get it from the next verse. It has to do with the word authority. I'll talk about authority and submission together because the two are kind of the same thing, right? Here's what verse 12 says. I do not permit a woman to teach 
or to assume authority over a man. There's a type of teaching that is connected to authority that God is saying only some men should do. This is awkward to talk about. But it's God's word. And there is a lot of confusion, hurt and anger that comes, I think, particularly from this issue alone and this verse alone. You know, for much of the church's history, people understood this to mean that any man in the church has authority over any woman in the church. I think the most unspeakable wrongs at worst, abuses came from understanding the text like this. And I'm going to go again right off the bat to say to you, this is not what God's word is saying. He's not saying that any man in the church has authority over any women, woman. He is not saying all men, by virtue of their sex, ought to have authority over all women in all things in the church, in all things in the world. If that is your understanding of Christianity, you're wrong. It's not the gospel. It's not the Bible. It's not what God has in mind. Here's what he has in mind with this. I'm going to read it word for word because I've got to get it right. By the miracle of his grace alone, God gives to his church certain men who are quiet about dying to themselves for the sake of his church. To teach her, to lead her, to love her. Say that again. By the miracle of his grace alone, God gives to his church certain men who are okay, quiet about God's divine call to die to themselves and to become humble, Jesus like foot washers, <laughs> to submit freely, willingly, to serve to love, to govern, and to teach his church. And God says to all his people, submit to those men. Those men. Nurture like Lois, like Eunice, like Priscilla. Nurture them. Build them up. Nourish them in such a way that they can step into the place that I have called them to do, not because they're more important, not because they are more loved, not because there's anything in themselves, but because for some reason that I'll share with you next week, God has thought this is the best way for my church 
nurture men like that. Help carry their leadership through so that everybody can win. That's what God's saying. Women, there is some form of teaching that I've reserved for those. And it is them who I ask you to respect. Elders. It's the job of elders, provided they are of the character that I've described, and I don't have time to go into that this morning, but, but they essentially need to do two things, lead the church and teach the church. Lead the church and teach the church. And can I just say at this point, isn't God incredible? That the means by which God will exercise authority over his church is by teaching. God is not such that to get people to do things, he asks people to become Power figures who throw their weight around, who rule and govern by, by authority, by, by flexing muscles. Men have done that in the past, how often, and they're all wrong. God is saying, no, what will have authority in my church is teaching. Humble, persuasive, affirming, encouraging, upbuilding, at times rebuking, teaching by which I want to draw my people into a sense of awe and wonder of who I am and what I've done and the job of doing such type of teaching I'm calling some elders to do and to protect it and to defend it and to ensure that it stays that way as it has for 2,000 years. By the way, the idea of women pastors only entered the world in 1960. For 1,900 and 70 years, was unquestioned. You'd say, yeah, because women never had a voice. I don't know, I think there is deeper theology behind that. It's really the cultural revolution that gave us all our hairs up about all the things political that goes around with this. God knows what he's doing, and I think this is what he's saying. Okay, I'm going I'm to wrap up here. I'm not going to push much further. I, 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 I mentioned to you today, um, this is a lot of head work. It's a lot of factual work. Next week, I want to help you, help me. I hope that the Holy Spirit will help us to glimpse a picture by the exercise of that kind of teaching that we look at it and go, wow, <laughs> wow that God would make us this beautiful, this precious, who he calls women to be, who he calls men to be. To wrap up, I can merely and only call us to look at the one who embodied eldership to us, like no other. Of course it's Jesus. Who wouldn't want to submit to Jesus? One who ruled and rules and guides as lovingly, humbly and selflessly as he does. One who did everything in his time on earth, almost nothing apart from teaching. 
the one who taught us into a relationship with him. He's the model. He's the ultimate expression of what God has in mind with eldership. And if, again, by the grace of God, God can raise up and stir up for his church elders such as Jesus, would we not want to be quiet? Okay. Grateful even for what he's provided. I put it to you, we would. And I put it to you that it would be good news for all of us. Let's pray. Father, we thank you that you are a gracious God who rules and loves and leads by washing feet and that it is your desire that your church should be led in a similar fashion. Forgive us, Lord, for the times too many over too long where we all, regardless of our gender, were not quite okay with what you had in mind. And I pray that we somehow can recover both today and maybe especially next week just something of the glory of what you did have in mind. Make us more than okay. Make us desire what you've done in such a way, Lord, that we become so fruitful, so beautiful, so attractive as we truly are an exceptional church. As we pray not only for ours, but for many others, all others. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.